Hi, everybody. I'm Gus Johnson along with the governor. He says he got all his jeans from his mom. From his mom. A lot of nylon. A lot of excitement in the air. Yes. And we're ready for college basketball. College basketball. Oh, oh. Gus. Oh, he's got onions. Gus. He's got onions. What's up, everybody? Welcome to week eight of the Big East Barroom. It is January 2nd, 2023, 2023, the year of the Lord. Ryan, how is your New Year's? You're sounding very Big East Catholic right now, bringing, you know, this is going to be the year of the Lord, 2023, apparently. Um, 2022 is a great year for us, so let's see what 2023 has to bring. Um, the only, so today we have a new way we're going to do it, year, year founded for the school, um, Interesting. I'm on the Wikipedia page. I think the people will be interested in this. It says type of school, and then it says private and Catholic, which obviously I can understand what a private and Catholic school is. But then it says underneath Society of Jesus for some of them. What do you think that means? It's the Jesuits, I believe. So Society of Jesus, Society of Jesus, Order of St. Augustine. Um, so because they're, all, of Newark, because they're all Catholic schools. Congregation all, of the Mission. It's different Catholic orders that founded the school. So the Jesuits founded a lot of colleges, but then the Augustinians clearly founded one. Theology on tap with Ryan Cassidy. Well, you didn't know that's what you're getting, but you know. All right, Ryan, you know what the oldest school is, and this is the school that's the most outdated as well. Georgetown University. At Georgetown Hoyas. So we're going to put two and a half minutes on the clock. Founded what year? Do you, can you guess? Did I already tell you? 18... No. 17? 1789. I did not know that. 21,000 students. No, I wonder how much they miss being in Ivy League by. Their endowment every year is $3 billion. No, they've got to be older than some of the Ivy Leagues. I don't know. $3 billion in endowment? If you're wondering, that is by far the most endowment for any college. I wonder if that's older than George Washington. That is three times the next school. Yeah, Biggies doesn't have big endowments. $3 billion. University of Texas? So just pay Patrick Ewing the buyout. Nah, whatever. All right, we're putting two and a half on the clock. All right, we had two games for the Georgetown Hoyas this week, and both of them went according to plan. They lost to DePaul by seven in Chicago, and then they lost by 29 to Butler at Georgetown, the Capital One Arena. Right? I thought that the DePaul game, I thought that had all the makings for Georgetown's first win. The kids aren't on campus. Not that DePaul draws a huge crowd anyway. Kids aren't on campus. Georgetown was kind of rolling for Georgetown. They had lost to UConn by a few. They had played a good game um, right before that against um, UConn. UConn. And then, oh yeah, they were coming off the UConn game and they played another good game right before that too. Villanova, who did they play before that? Creighton? Um, regardless, they were, you know, and they just absolutely did what they do and played down to their competition and didn't play defense. Yeah, this has got to be rock bottom for the Georgetown No, the next game is. I know, but you just have to imagine it can't get any worse than this. Lose it to DePaul. You know, DePaul is the second worst team in the conference. And so this but was... Like, they're, they're by far better than Georgetown. Yeah, they are. Um, <laughs> Which, they, if you look at the rosters... Well, you know, Amosia Gibson goes for like 32 points in this game. That's the third best scoring performance. And all of the best scoring performances in the Big East are going to come against the Georgetown Hoyas because they don't play a lick of defense. And the real problem there is they don't put in any effort onto defense because they've got the athletes. They've got the talent to play defense, but it's just a, it's a discipline thing. And to score 51 points against um, Butler the next day, 
their calling card is offense. Um, Jay Heath looks like might be out for the season with a broken fi- finger. A cook left at the DePaul game with back spasms, but did come back for the Butler game. I mean, the whole conversation has to come down to what ha- what is going to make Georgetown move on from Patrick Ewing? Nothing. Nothing. Like if 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 there is nothing to make him go on, I don't know how you can continue. I don't think that to they will support fi- the team. I don't think they'll fire him, and so people are just begging him to resign at this point. But I think that it's so important to the Georgetown president and AD and all these guys making the decision to leave on good terms with Ewing, so they want it to be on Ewing's terms, and he's not making that call. Yeah, um, I think they should hire Allen Iverson as their next head coach because normally alums do really well. Thoughts on that? Anybody's better than Patrick Ewing. Okay, Ryan. Oh, sorry. Hold on. Our buzzer. I wonder if that's just too quiet for the buzzer today. But we'll try it. It's don't take. You fuck- could just yell, "Don't take fucked don't up take shots." Don't take fucked up shots by Sean Miller, last Georgetown player to get drafted. If you're playing at home, it was in 2013. Well, there is a fellow from Georgetown who is playing in the G League right now. What the heck's his name? He played for a team last year. He played for a team last year. The freshman. What's it? Uh, I know you're talking about, but he wasn't drafted. Um, Georgetown five-star recruit last year. Oh, Amin Muhammad. Amin Muhammad. Uh, can you name 2013? No. I think that might be the furthest one out. Otto Porter. Otto Porter, who is still, you know, has a nice career going for him. Ryan, any guesses as who the next oldest yes, school is? Xavier Musketeers, because you told me this me, before the that. podcast. Guess how many people go to Xavier? Sorry, I'm on the Wikipedia page. 3,000 people. 3,000 undergrads. 6,000. 6,000? I don't know if it's undergrads, it's enrollment altogether. Yeah. Two, oh, wait, we're not doing Xavier. We're doing wait until the end to do Xavier. So that's okay. Guess the third oldest. Um... Yeah, I, you didn't tell me this ahead of time, yeah. so I have no idea. Well, that was the game. It wasn't, like, can Ryan remember what Tyler said? <laughs> well, you're giving me the answer. I don't know, St. John's? Villanova. Okay. Want to put two and a half on the clock? Order of St. Augustine, Villanova. 10,000 people go there. Two and a half on the clock, and we are live with Villanova Wildcats. So Villanova went 0-2 this week. They lost a game earlier in the week to UConn in what was a really good game. And then they lost to Marquette. On New Year's Day, right after the UConn Xavier game. Yeah, that was a game full of, uh, or a day full of really good Big East basketball. Uh, I want to do reality check time with Villanova. Villanova is so far off the bubble and so far not close to a tournament team. I don't think, I think time has run out now. That's my take for them. I think time has run out. Because also look at it this way. They need to get big wins. They've already lost one to UConn. They've already lost one to Marquette. You're running out of opportunities to get those big wins. And I just, like, I get it. You're going to have two against Xavier, and you're going to have two more against Marquette and UConn together. But here's their path to the NCAA tournament, right? Win the tournament. Justin Moore comes back. They win a couple big games, and they go to the NCAA tournament in March and say, we weren't the team we are now. And the NCAA tournament um, selection committee has a history of taking that into account. So if you're able to do that, you say, you know, with Cam Whitmore, we were better. And then with Justin Moore, now we're a completely different team. Whitmore was bad against UConn. Whitmore's um, been bad for a while. Uh, he, I mean, he was just ineffective. He wasn't, you know, he didn't shoot a lot. He, didn't, he doesn't detract from the team. No. But he's set such a high bar at the beginning of the year that I was kind of like, no, oh. It's just his offense that's been bad for a while. He still is. I mean, he was really good against Marquette, but then they sat him down the stretch. He's a competent defender. He rebounds the ball well. None looks, of that is the issue. Looks a part of an NBA player. His body is, I mean, ready to go. I and mean, he belongs on the floor. That's not the issue. No, it's not that he's a bad 
he's bad. It's just uh, that. It's just he hasn't been able to find his offense the last few games. Eric Dixon is incredible. He looked really good against Sonogo at certain points. Um, I think that's worth mentioning that he belongs in that upper echelon of uh, Big East Bigs. Yeah, he showed up. He hit a lot of tough shots. He hit a you know a couple you know, heavily guarded shots that he got to go. Yeah, I think they have to play Whitmore down the stretch. I really liked what I saw from Armstrong in that Marquette game. Um, he's got bounce. He came off and one hand off one foot. Um, just looked really athletic and really the part. So the future's bright for Villanova. I just think that this is one of those years you're going to look back on and you're going to say they weren't um, the Wildcats. I'm not convinced until um, we know if Justin Moore is coming back or not. I don't think Justin Moore comes back to be Justin Moore. It's the main problem. Don't, Don't take, take fucked up, up shots. <laughs> All right, right. Can any guess on the next oldest? I'm gonna stick East Coast, so I'll go Providence College. Providence is the youngest college, so that breaks up. But we're going to the Butler Bulldogs. Oh, Midwest. Who had a Jekyll and Hyde type of week if I've ever seen one. Ryan, two and a half on the clock. Yep. And Butler absolutely got hammered. Against Providence. I think that says more about Providence now, but I don't want to give anything away. Um, and then absolutely hammer Georgetown. I think they come across with a plus seven. So let's do, a little, let's do a little game. You give the positive take, and I'll give the negative take for the week. I'll give the positive take? Yeah, if you're, an, opti- if you're an optimist. Jaden Taylor looked really good. Uh, ride that. Hope that their shooting is um, going to hold up in their starting five. Uh, Jalen Thomas looked really good. Uh, Jalen Thomas mm-hmm. for them, uh, kind of providing that depth. And Manny Bates, Georgetown, say what you want, has two very competent big men in Wahab and a Cook. And Manny Bates did not look face at all um, against higher level competition. Negatives. If you're the, a pessimist, you're saying all they did was beat the Georgetown Hoyas. That is the minimum of any Big East team. You're supposed to beat the Georgetown Hoyas. When they went out and played a halfway decent team in Providence, they got embarrassed. They got the doors blown off of them. Now, I, what's funny is they played such a good first 10 minutes. They did look really good in the first 10 minutes, and then Providence just ran away with that one. They didn't look like they, they you know, they, they sometimes have trouble finding good shots. Yeah. And, you know, that maybe that's something Maddo's going to work through and able to find better sets that lead to better shots for them. But they're, they're, they take a lot of contested shots, and when Manny Bates isn't kind of dominating, they get themselves into trouble. Yeah, Seamus Lukosius um, was okay in the second game. Um, he, you kind of know what you're going to get from him at this point. Um, Chuck Harris, I really I like the way that he creates. He kind of reminds me of a little, um, not little because they're probably, he's probably taller, but Primo Spears type where he can kind of take that mid-range shot. take yeah. those. He's a difficult shot taker but a diff- difficult shot maker as well. Yeah, I don't think he takes as many bad shots as Primo no, Spears. No, but I also would say that he has more coaching <laughs> going on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, than um, I was surprised to see Jaden Taylor get moved to the bench with Jalen Thomas coming back this week. I'm not sure. And then Jaden Taylor went off and got 24 points. Yeah, I don't think that's going to hold. I think you're going to see Taylor back in the starting lineup at some point. He's too good to give limited yeah. minutes I mean, to. they shot 50% from the game and 46% from three. How much is that the Georgetown effect? Let me check. just check really quick. They're going to play DePaul um, this week, and uh, that, I think, is going to be... It's a get-right game. Don't take fucked-up shots. Uh, yeah, they should look really good against DePaul because DePaul is the second-worst defense in the Big East. And then 
They got to play some good teams, and they got to play well against some good teams. Yeah, after that, they you see them play Seton Hall. So they, I mean, they they're starting to ramp up, and then St. John's. So they could get on a little run here. Yeah, um, they're at the softer part of their schedule. So. I do think that they're a middle of the pack team, but I'm really worried with what we saw against Providence. Um, I messed up. I wanted to do this for every team. Last Villanova player to get drafted, you should know, because you really liked him. Jermaine Robinson Earl. Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Jeremiah is me. on the. Oklahoma, um, City, Oklahoma Thunder. City Thunder. And can you name the last Butler player to get drafted? You absolutely cannot, by the way. Uh, it's not um, the guy with Brad Stevens. Shelvin Mack? It's Shelvin Mack. It's not Gordon Hayward. It's not Gordon Hayward? No, Shelvin Mack. All right. Next, oldest school founded in 1856, the year after Butler was founded in 1855. Isn't that crazy? These were founded before the Civil War. Um, Marquette. Seton Hall. Put two on the clock for our Seton Paul, Seton Hall, Seton Paul Pirates, who had a interesting week of basketball. I'd say they kind of had a Jekyll and Hyde as well. Um, Seton Hall played two games this week, getting blown out by Marquette by fourteen at Marquette. Tough, tough place to go in and win a game. But then Seton Hall rebounded and really beat St. John's by a lot. Uh, did you? What did you like? What did you hate um, about what Seton Hall was able to do on the floor? Yeah, I mean, the the St. John's game was good for a while, and then Seton Hall just kind of ran away with St. it. St. John's was leading that game for a long time um, in the first half, and then it kind of looked like the wheels just came off. We were trying to watch both games um, at once. Um, you know, Alamir Dawes had his best, uh, most efficient game he's had in a long time. Kadari Richmond looked really good. Tyree Samuel, um, one of the Davis brothers, Dre, stepped up. Um so, I don't know. I mean, what what is this Seton Hall team ceiling? And is Shaheen Holloway starting to get more out of the team? Um, no, I think they're Seton. good enough to beat bad teams. And I think St. John's is really bad. Yeah, I think you're right, unfortunately, on that. I was dead wrong on that. But um, I really do think that there's a chance that Seton Hall is kind of nestled themselves more in a Villanova territory than a St. John's territory. Yeah, I can see that. I think they're separating themselves from the bottom of the Big East. They just don't have the talent or the kind of the structure that Shaheen Holloway wants to be excellent this season. I think Holloway will get the program there. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, it was nice to see Alamir Dawes. He's kind of been the bane of some of their existence um, on the on uh, Seton Hall fans. But to go for 22 points and shoot 8 of 14... Um, I don't know. I was really impressed by their, you know, performance. And they just didn't turn the ball over against them. Um, they turned the ball over a total of 12 times against a team that loves getting to turn the ball over. Um, so I thought that part was impressive too. So How many turnovers did Alamir Dawes have in that game? In that game, Alamir Dawes, I think, had four. Yeah, that's too many. It is too many, um, but still a more efficient game than he had played all year. And that is clear. Don't do that. Ryan, do you know the last Seton Hall player to get drafted? Oh, it should have been Jared Roden, and he's now on a two-way contract. Good for him. Um, you do know this guy, too. You Sandrew Mamukelishvili, who was drafted at the end of the second round a year prior. By the Milwaukee Bucks, and he still is on the Milwaukee Bucks. Still on a two-way, though. Come on, Bucks. Let's get it together. Let's get him on a real contract. Get the man paid. Next oldest school, Ryan, is... St. John's. Shit, did I close it? No, I didn't. Uh, next is Creighton University. But they didn't play this week, and we said we were going to skip it. Because what can you say about them? Good for them. Rest up. Cockbrenner. Drink your fluids in Pedialytes. 
Not much to add there. All right. Next oldest school founded in 1881 is... St. John's. The Yukon Huskies. Okay. So here's the first problem. I skipped St. John's and you were right. So St. John's was founded in 1870. So I had a feeling that you talked to New York City. 1870 they were founded. Um, we'll go with St. John's on the clock. Two and a half. And run it through... I was wrong, right? I'm willing to admit it now. I have seen enough to say that St. John's is uh, one of the bottom three teams in the Big East. Yeah, I'm doing a victory lap on this one. I had, you know, I was interested in where they were going right up until that Iowa State game. And then I, you know, the problem there, it's coaching. And they're never going to be very good with the coaching they're getting right now. I I want to give Mike Anderson a little bit of credit. One of the things he did in the um, second game, the game that he played against Seton Hall, he sat Curbelo to start the game. Right. He and he tried, and I believe he sat one other guy to start the game. Yes, he did. Um, was it? Did he sit Daniel Jones to start this game? Oh, Daniel Jones didn't play at all. Oh no, David Jones did play at all. Sorry, Daniel Jones, quarterback, Giants playoffs, boom. Um, but he sat one, but. I thought he was going to sit Posh because Posh is that energy guy to come off the bench and put in that defense. I don't think you can do that because Posh is the leader of the team. He's been on the team for two years. Well, and he didn't do that. So and, I think it's a respect thing. And then. he went with Curbelo off the bench. So he did try something a little different. But I thought that all-access was so eye-opening in the coaching styles of Sean Miller versus you know Mike Anderson. And it, it was just night and day. Mike Anderson was doing a lot. I said at one point he's coaching like a fan. Because it's just a lot of, no, oh, yeah, yeah, no, no, no. And he's like, just kind of from there. I don't know how much you're supposed to do as a coach on the sideline. Obviously, I've never been a coach. Um, and how much, you know, actual coaching and X's and O's. Because if you're doing too much X and O's, what are you doing in practice? But, man, it just seemed like he was kind of along for the ride rather than leading the ship. He's not an X's and O's guy to the point where, you know, when you need X's and O's, he's not providing it. Yeah. And I go back to that Iowa State game and, and listen to the commentator. And people who love basketball almost take offense to the way Mike Anderson coaches because he doesn't coach basketball like it's basketball. He coaches basketball like it's, you know, just just running up and down the court. Yeah. No, you know I mean, it, it, it is a little bit frustrating to watch. And just watching that team with that much talent, I think we're definitely on alert for two head coaching changes. Um and I think St. John's has more of a competent leadership. And listen, they've moved on. They moved on from their alum. When Mullen wasn't getting it done, they moved on from him. They've moved on from coaches quicker. Um, so I definitely think that if this doesn't turn very quickly with the talent they have on their roster, you're 100% looking at a coaching search going into next year. I agree. And he, you know, you had to give him a fair shake. And I believe this is his fourth year. Yeah. So it's not like a Patrick Ewing situation where he's been there longer than Mike Anderson and they should have moved on after last year. Yeah. Um, you no, know. And, and you had to bring in some other talented guys. I mean, last year was the Champagne and Posh Alexander show. You were kind of married to whatever they could do. This year, you brought in other guys. You brought in your own guys. You And, you know, it's just really backfired on them, I think. Um Unfortunately, what do we got here? What Sean want to say? Don't take fucked up shots. And he said that again. St. John's. Ryan, I missed Creighton. Last player to get drafted from Creighton. Marcus Zagorowski. Yes. End of the second round to the Brooklyn Nets. And do you know the last player to get drafted for St. John's? Yes, I do. But I'm not going to be able to think of his name right now. Really? You think you know him? (laughs) Yeah, I do. Why do you know Dom Pointer? Because I think I was looking this up the other day. Oh, that's cool. Well, unfortunately, 
you were wrong on that one. So um, I'm keeping score, and I think you're like two and five right now. I'm doing pretty good. No, I'm two, betting four hundred. Two and five is probably not going to get it done. No, not two, four, five. Two for seven. Oh, I'm two for seven. Yeah, because two for two and five would mean you played seven games. It's a tough shooting night. You know, we're going to get back to it. Do you remember what team I just said was the next oldest? UConn. UConn Huskies. UConn played two games this week. I would say they had one of their season-defining wins and one of their season-defining losses this week. Well, any loss is going to be a season-defining loss for them. Because they are currently, they were undefeated. Um, they played Villanova at home. They beat them by eight. I, we watched together. I can sometimes be a pessimistic fan. I never felt like this game was at risk the same way. Um, that the score ended up looking like. I know it was a one-point game down the stretch, two-point game, but Villanova can never get over that hump. I'm not sure that's the definition of pessimistic fan. That I know, like I'm normally, but I'm saying I'm normally a pessimistic fan, and I still couldn't feel, didn't feel that way. Villanova had a shot. Um, do I think, you know, UConn kind of controlled the game for most of the game, but Villanova stuck right in there, and they pulled it uh, pretty close down at the end. The, uh, UConn, looked, I thought they did everything right, a lot of things right in that game, but the book then got out on them, and we saw against Xavier um, the way to beat them. And that's to force Andre Jackson to shoot. Hope hope he's shooting poorly. Yeah. Crash on Sinogo. And one of the things, I don't want to go and give people on Twitter more, you know. But I was saying that Andre Jackson has to hit shots to win. And people are like, well, we don't need his offense to win. And it's like, you do. Yeah. Because if what happens is if Andre Jackson is shooting poorly... They back off and they don't let you get that entrance pass to Sonogo. This is – we follow UConn X's and O's really closely. Okay, this is the same issue they had with Isaiah Whaley last year where he – you didn't create any spacing when you have Isaiah Whaley on the court because his guy is going to sag off him, double Adama Sonogo. Now the book is out and they're doing the exact same thing to Andre Jackson. But to Andre's credit, and I know the shooting line looks bad at the end, but remember he takes four threes at the right. end of the game that – you can't blame for Andre was very confidently shooting at, in the middle of that game. I think he shot like three of seven on real shots. Yeah, but if he hit one of those down the stretch, you, they, he could have pulled out that game. Absolutely. And the, but that's more of the X's and O's, not just... They started game planning differently for him once he hit like three of those. Threes. The defense wasn't good enough against Xavier. Yeah. And you know that Danny Hurley's going to rip him a new one for that because that's his calling card. Do you think Klingon and Sonogo have to play together no. against... A team like Xavier. No, you can't play them together. It ruins your offense. I di- I disagree. I think you have to. I think you have Sonogo throw the high low to Klingon, and you do it. And like then Andre. Did. Well, if Andre Jackson on the floor, they're going to play off Jackson to get rid of the high low. But then Andre's going to have to knock down his threes, though. Yeah. I think that you can do it only against Xavier. No other team in the Big East has enough players to do that. Don't take the. The question down. becomes. Do you want the entire UConn offense to rely on whether or not Andre Jackson's making his three? I think they're going to make that. Because if you can't space the floor, that's what the game becomes. But Andre Jackson's already going to have to do that because he's going to be playing the whole game. Danny Hurley, if you're listening, put the ball in Andre Jackson's hand. Make him the ball handler in the pick and roll. Yes, I think there's a bigger conversation to have Newton not play the second half minutes. Newton was fine as a shooter. He hit two threes against Yeah, but I don't think Newton created the same amount. I would rather, if I'm a UConn fan, which I am, my end of the game lineup is Diara has to play because of his on-ball defense. Hawkins has to play because of his shooting. Jackson, Sonogo, and... um, Caravan. See, I've got Jackson at the one, 
let Newton space, let Hawkins space, let Caravan space, and Sonogo set the screens. I mean, I'm sure Hurley will come up with something because he did figure it out how to not let that be the only thing that... No, that's how they lost. They did lose that way, but UConn won games after that book got out on them. Last UConn player to get drafted, this is an easy one. Ryan? Tyrese Martin. Excuse me. All right. Ryan, next oldest school founded in 1881, I guess months after you I don't know if it's fun for you guys to listen to me get it wrong every time, so I'm going to let Tyler tell you. Oh, it's Marquette. Okay. Oh, come on. People are playing at home, and they're, like, guessing, and their wives are yelling at them. They love old colleges. They they love love old colleges. They've always been into them. All right. Marquette played two games this week. Marquette got two wins this week. Marquette beat Seton Hall on Tuesday and beat um, Villanova in a really good game on New Year's Eve. And Stevie Mitchell. Stevie Mitchell. And Stevie Mitchell. And Stevie Mitchell. It's a homecoming game for Stevie Mitchell. He's a Philly boy. He is a defensive specialist who goes off for 25 points. Is that correct? Uh, and 19 points in the second uh, Villanova game. 19 points? Okay. But what, what I loved, and this leads right into UConn, they tried to Andre Jackson, Stevie Mitchell. And Stevie Mitchell's like, well, that's stupid. I'm just going to hit three threes. And is there no limit to Shaka Smart being able to turn mediocre players into really good players? I mean, just Stevie Mitchell. I mean... And they beat Villanova on the road. By the way, they've won three games in a row against Villanova, dating back to last year, which wonder if that starts to get into some of the heads of some of these kids. That's right. Justin um, Lewis hit the um, game winner against them. At Villanova, and then they won at Marquette, too, um, last year. And This is a game where if I told you Omax, Igodaro, and Kolek were going to combine for 18 points, you don't think they win. What, I, I was also really impressed by Oso's ability to pass out of the post. Um, in certain times, Villanova did the same when they had Caleb Daniels, a point guard, guarding Oso Iguodaro. And many times, and Oso, I thought, was just, should have just backed him down, but he passed out of the post a lot and had a lot of hockey assists. They run a ton of um, baseline cuts when Oso Iguodaro has the ball in the post. Uh, and, you know, you're likely to fall asleep if Iguodaro has the ball, and then your guy all of a sudden is sprinting towards the hoop, and Iguodaro's great at finding his guys. And Oso looked really good against um, Marquette. I don't, or not Marquette, Seton Hall. I don't want to completely get away from that game. Um, I just think that Villanova game was really impressive in a hostile environment um, to come away with a two-point win. I definitely watched that game closer, so that's kind of what I'm drawing my conclusions on. Um, Chase Ross looked really good for them off the bench. I mean, I don't know. I just can't say enough about Shaka Smart. And I just think that these kids love playing basketball for him. And I think he – do you agree that he plays defense the way that Mike Anderson thinks he's playing defense? With deflections and chaos and hell? I don't think so because I think they fall back into really good half-court defense. Marquette. Yes, but I think Mike Anderson Anderson thinks they're going to fall back into really good half-court defense and they don't. I think... Go ahead. (laughs) I think that the the gimmick for Shaka Smart is the deflections and then they fall back into solid half-court defense. The entire defense for um, Mike Anderson is the gimmick. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes. Mike Anderson's defense is a gimmick. Um, last Marquette player to get drafted, Ryan, is... Oh, Justin Lewis did not get drafted. He should have got drafted. Should have gotten drafted. I don't know if you'll know this one because I would have had a hard time with this one. Dwayne Wade. Henry Ellenson. Don't remember him. Not uh, in my book. He got drafted in the first round at 18th pick. How long ago? 2016. I I mean, he's not doing anything in the league. I don't remember him. He's even... He is still in the league, but he's not... uh, I don't know enough about him to talk about him. All right, right. We got two more... Three more schools. Um, 
one. The next oldest school is founded in 1898 in the DePaul Blue Demons. All right, let's Two talk. and a half on the clock. DePaul, two games. One win. Beat Georgetown. They Beat Georgetown. Will, they will not go zero wins in conference play. Nope. Uh, They'll get two. That play honor still belongs to the Georgetown Hoyas. Emoja Gibson was fantastic in that game. Goes for when he was pulling up from the logo, I was like, "What? Like, where does this guy get the confidence from? He's playing on a well, they're seven and seven now, but he's playing on a bad Big East team, and he's just pulling from the logo, and he's just drilling it. And it's like, yeah, he's, it's like people see. This was my theory the other day too. People see Georgetown's defense, and because it's perceived to be so badly, even if they're playing okay defense, you're like, "Well, this isn't hard. This is Georgetown's defense." Like. That was a bad shot, and it was just like, well, that's going to go in because it's playing Georgetown. Emotion Gibson, or not Emotion Gibson, um, Javon Johnson also was really good. Javon Johnson was good. I really love watching Jalen Terry play basketball. I tweeted that out. He plays hard. Him and Yorinoy. Him and Yorinoy. You know, they both play really hard. There's a lot of talent on that team. Um, Stubblefield hasn't figured it out yet. He's not going to figure it out this year. I don't think anybody's contesting that point. Yeah, I mean, let's let's give some positives on even that Providence game, they lose by 15. And I get it. Providence kind of took their foot off the gas pedal. But they tied the second half. Um, so you would say three out of the four halves, DePaul's pretty happy with. Um, this week, you know, they're starting to get some of their guys back. Nelson came back. Um, Deshaun Nelson. And he gave you 17 points. Um, Zion Cruz did get hurt, I believe, in one of these games. Um, but I think he even came back. So get healthy, DePaul. And I want DePaul to firmly... Go ahead of George. And I don't think there's anybody who's losing eligibility this year. I think everybody can be back if they want to be back. So, I mean, Subblefield, this is something he can build off of. Yeah, I think DePaul's going in the right direction, but they need to. I I was saying this last week, so I don't want to come too optimistic because of a Georgetown win. Um, But I think Stubblefield is still on the hot seat. But I think you really feel that hot seat easing as he, you know, if he can get a few conference wins. No hot seat for the Stubbs. Nobody else wants to go coaching DePaul. Don't take fucked up shots. Um, I disagree. I can't go that high off of a DePaul win. But congratulations on a win, though. All right. Right. The newest Big East school founded in 1917 is? Providence College. Providence Friars. Put two and a half on the clock. Let's talk Providence. Providence plays two games this week. Providence gets two wins. Two wins this week. Beating Butler and DePaul. And I watched the Butler game closely, and Devin Carter was fantastic in that game. And um, he's been really, really – he's been a lot better than a lot of people were expecting, myself included, from what we saw from South Carolina. He's added an outside shot. His defense is as good as advertised. Um, I was having a conversation with somebody – and they were mentioning that he practices with a lot of NBA players because his father's a former NBA player. Oh yeah, I didn't um, know that. And I said that kind of I can kind of see that because he really he added a lot to his game over the summer. Uh, leading score in both games, um, so that was, I mean that's impressive. One of the things I thought was impressive is Hopkins had that week where he put everybody on notice, and everybody kind of was like, well, we're going to game plan for Bryce Hopkins, and Devin Carter was like. You, you you helped too much. You did you did too much, um, and he went off for you know a combined forty three points this week. Uh, so and correct me if I'm wrong. Crosswell was good. Bynum double digits both weeks. Right, Bynum finally got it going a little bit. Eighteen and eleven. 
Uh, we saw him kind of attack Manny Bates a little bit in the paint against yeah. Butler, and he was successful, which was nice to see. And they've really got their rotation down to being like eight guys, where I said that needed to happen. They've kind of decided that Castro and Corey Floyd are not going to be part of the rotation right now. Um, yeah, I like Castro. I'm surprised he's completely out. He, I mean, he's getting about five minutes a game, but they've decided Corey Floyd is getting, who's getting like two minutes. He might come in for a... Yeah, they got enough guards. Uh, they don't need to play a freshman right now. Yeah, and um, Clifton Moore is staying in that 16-minute-a-game range. Um, so I, I, I think they've kind of figured out what where their bread and butter is. My biggest mistake, before the year started, I said, I trust Ed Cooley. And after those... The, the, Three. To Mo- at Mohegan. What was the name of that one? The uh, Hall of Fame basketball tip-off. The Hall of Fame basketball tip-off. I doubted him. I thought he wasn't going to be able to bring this group of transfers together. He's doing it, absolutely. He's one of the best coaches in the league, and I shouldn't have lost. But I also think that Providence is benefiting from their ramp-up schedule um, of having... I mean, they beat Marquette. That's a great win. I'm not taking anything away from that. But DePaul and Butler... Butler has lost every game by 20-plus points in the Big East. But if you think Butler's a middle-of-the-pack team... I don't think Butler's a middle-of-the-pack team. I think they're slightly better than St. John's. I I just... I'm not that... I need to see Providence when they play UConn this week at the Amp. I need to see them at least be in that game the whole entire game. Yeah, I think that's probably what Ed Cooley's going for. I don't think they have to win it. No, I don't either. Um... I don't think it crushes their tournament chances, even if they lose by 30. But I do think it does a lot to But if they to win, me. they're probably in the NCAA tournament, barring a loss to Georgetown down the road, something like that. And then we'd have to talk about what UConn is if, they, if UConn has two in a row losses. Last I saw, they're still a quad one, right? Uh, a number one seed right now. Yes, they are, because they moved down to fourth today. All right. All right. Last, and that leaves us with the Xavier Musketeers, who get two wins this week. We'll put five minutes on the clock. We'll talk Xavier Musketeers. Uh,. Two wins. Uh, the St. John's game was a very... It, the score, to me, looks closer than it was. I never was like, this is what's going to happen. Or, you know, I never really thought that St. John's was going to um, win that game. Jack Nunji, Suli Boom, Zach Fremantle. Same story you've heard all year um, from the starting five. Um, I think we have to talk about, for me, what's been the game of the year so far. Um, oh, no. The Providence-Marquette game is the game of the year. Uh, the UConn-Xavier game was high-level basketball. Well, it was higher-level basketball than Danny Early wanted because it was all offense. Yeah, but I thought some shots that both teams took went in um, that don't necessarily always go in. Yeah, I agree. Especially in the first half, Xavier got a lot of shots to go. Um, But in the second half, Sean Miller's ability to attack a defense is really, really remarkable. He is one of the best offensive minds in the country. I've said that before. I'll keep saying it. His ability to, you know, attack a defense one way, make them adjust, and then attack them in a different way and just keep exposing that defense. He's got one of the best playbooks in the in the country. Well, and, and it's evident by the box score, too. I mean, you watch that game. Suli Boom, who had been the high, second highest score in the Big East, 11 points. He did not look great, 3 of 10 shooting. Um, you look at, you know, let's look at a Adam Kunkel, great shooter, 5 points. Jerome Hunter was fantastic. Colby Jones is fantastic. Fremanto is fantastic in the first half. Nunji sick, came out for a while. Fantastic in the first. Um, fantastic when he came back in. Just everybody kind of spread out the wealth. You, it, this didn't feel fluky for Xavier. No. Other than some of the shots that went in. Um, 
but it didn't feel like they got more production than they should from certain players. Right. I um, mean, that's why they won a game. And UConn going into that game had not given up 75 points. They'd only given up 70 once to Georgetown. They gave up 83 points to uh, Xavier in that game. That offense is really, really legit, and it's good enough to cover up for a, a pretty mediocre defense. Yeah, and I, I thought the defense played well at times. Um, Sonogo kind of had his way with Nunjin Fremantle. Um, he attacked Fremantle every time he had the opportunity. Right. Um, and I, you know, some of it's Nunji. Nunji was clearly not himself. He was sick. Uh, so I think that some of that, you know, some of that strength might've been sapped. I can't imagine trying to play defense while having the flu. Um, yeah. I mean, the foul differential people want to talk about 36, um, or one or nine free throws for UConn and, uh, 28 for Xavier, but Xavier knocked down their free throws at an 83% clip. I thought that there was a couple ticky-tacky fouls on UConn, but I didn't think it was um, egregious. I thought that maybe you could, you know, about two, you could take off about two of those fouls. And remember, UConn is playing on the road. You're going to get a more unfavorable whistle, and you shoot 37 threes, and Hawkins got fouled on two of them. Right. I mean, how many, I mean, you're not going to get a lot of three-point, you know, foul calls, and Xavier's physical. They're big and they're physical and they're going to be able to. And anytime you had um, Fremantle or Nunji in the post and it wasn't Sonogo or Klingon guarding them, yeah. you know, if they were able to get Caravan oh in there, if they were able to get Andre Jackson, it was a mismatch. Fremantle was eating on whoever was guarding them if it wasn't uh, Sonogo or Klingon. Yeah, it was an absolute mismatch. And, you know, God bless Miller for he identified it and he just kept going back to him, highlighting those mismatches. Um, Kobe Jones was fantastic. He makes the two game-winning plays at the end of the game. Kind of broken plays to both of them. And he made something happen for uh, for Xavier. Um, yeah, just overall, I, was imp- I think that this game said more about Xavier than it did UConn. I think Xavier is easily a second weekend team right now. And you might be looking at Elite Eight. But, but, uh, what are their next few games? Um, so they go this week. They're going to be playing... Um, Villanova, so another good test, and it's at Villanova, and Villanova knows they desperately need a win. Um, they also, so they only have one game this week. So can they beat Villanova, and then can they? Why does Xavier really play like? Do they only play twice in the next thirteen days? That seems really silly. If that's true, Xavier, 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 Villanova, Xavier, Creighton. Oh, and then Xavier. Um, they play three times in the next thirteen days. So they're probably going to have quite a few. And they play Creighton. So they play Villanova, Creighton, and Marquette. You need to at least go 2-1 there to convince me that you are a top 10 team in the country. Yeah, I, want, I definitely want to see them beat Villanova. Um, Creighton, now that they're back to full health, is is a pretty tall task. And Marquette is giving everybody a game right now. Yeah. Um, I But I do think Xavier's um, differentiated themselves as easily the second best team in the country. Conference. Uh, conference, right? And that's what they did. They didn't take fucked up shots. And that's coming from their coach. And that's how they won. Alright, that means it's time for the mailbag section. Mailbag! So, we got some great questions from you guys. We're going to go through a few of them. I think we should uh, shout out these people's Twitter handles as we go. Because they're the people who interact with us a lot, too. Sure, absolutely. So we're going to start with Banners on the Parkway, who's one of the best Xavier accounts on Twitter. Banners on the Parkway asks, 
Who's your least favorite opposing Big East coach? Patrick Ewing, because he won't resign. Yeah, I'm going to go Mike Anderson because I hate incompetence. Um, you know, there's guys who have... Mike Anderson like seems like a nicer dude, though. <laughs> there's guys who have, you know, a lot of character and whatever. I don't care if the team is good. They can coach however they want. I just want their team to be good. Absolutely. All right, let's go to... Coach Gill asks, what does UConn do on offense if teams continue to sag off Jackson like the Xavier game? I think Ryan brought up a lot of good points with this one. Um, Jackson, one, the easy solution is Jackson hits the threes. Um, two, put the ball in his hands and allow him to kind of make some plays um, off of it. Um, three, I mean, I guess the three, the desperate one, is you take Jackson out of games. If 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 you need to at certain points. I don't think they're going to take Jackson out of games. I don't either. And I don't think they should, but I'm just saying, if he's shooting one of 12 in a game, you, you might have to if he's missing all his wide-open shots. I am surprised that Hurley hasn't put Jackson on the ball more, especially because Newton can kind of slide it over into the two. He shoots well enough to do that. Um, but Hurley seems to be a little bit... He doesn't really want to do that. The other thing they can do is run high lows like they did last year with Isaiah Whaley. A high low is designed to create spacing between two non-shooters. And you did see them go to a little bit of that towards the end of the Xavier game. Mm-hmm. All right. This question comes from Pizzo Parsons, who is one, one of the funniest Marquette accounts out there. Pizzo's. You need to read the whole question when you're reading Pizzo's. I'll here. read the All right. How does Marquette finally win over Ryan's cold black heart? We've been sitting on this bar stool all year just waiting for him to stop making eyes and finally come say hello. Well, Pizos, as somebody who's always been high on Marquette, who definitely didn't have them picked 11th in the Big East to start, I'll say that Ryan's a hard one. You Listen, can't win over someone who doesn't have a heart. If it hasn't been clear, I love Shaka Smart. I think Shaka Smart is one of the best coaches in the country. My issue, my holdup with Marquette is that I'm, they don't have that one star player that I think really jumps off. That in the NCAA tournament, you know you can go to to get a bucket. But do you believe Marquette's the third best team in the Big East? Yes, I do. Absolutely. So, I, I mean, listen, I'm all for making fun of Ryan. But I just don't... They're not UConn or Xavier right now. And I don't know if they're going to have a chance to ever ascend to that. And that's okay. They're a sure, surefire tournament team right and now. And listen, when they make the NCAA tournament, nobody's going to be rooting harder for Marquette than myself. I've, you know, Nobody? Nobody. Not Shaka's wife. I'll be on the, I'll not be on the bar. You don't know Pizos? me. Pizos? Come on. Come watch a game with me. All right. Joe Nat- Natiello asks, why did Whitmore sit last eight minutes of a tight league game? Is he a lock first round pick? What are the odds today that he'll be back at Nova for his sophomore season? I think he's a lock first-round pick for sure. Um, I'd say he's probably set the last eight minutes because Longino's a really good defender. Um, and I'd put the odds that I'm going 25%. Also remember, Whitmore's coming off a major injury um, or an injury that sidelined him for the first 10 games of the year. Um, that you know, I'm not saying he's still working his way back, but they're probably going to do some minute management with him too. Yeah, why did he sit? Longino's a really nice piece as well, and Longino's probably a better shooter as well as the defense Tyler mentioned. Um, is he a lock first-round pick? Yes. Unless he re-aggravates an injury, he's going to go in the first te- uh, round just based off of his tape from high school that the NBA scouts are watching. Because, And you have to remember too, like um, these scouts are wa- and these front offices are watching um, – Yes, they are watching the college games and they're interested in it, but they're trying to figure out what you can be based on your skill set. And no, nothing is saying that right now his skill set isn't a, you know, 
his skill set hasn't changed really. I mean, Bleach Report him as as, as the number five pick. Oh, it's the same reason the feller from Kentucky got drafted last year. What the heck was his name? Who never played a single game for Kentucky, uh, but they watched his high school tape. Kyrie got drafted off of eleven games at Duke. I mean, just you. People want to see what your body type is like, and then certain people want to see what your development is. And the uh, the kid that played at the mid major last year got drafted. What, yeah. what was his name? Right, you keep asking what people's names are. I don't know. Well. He'll get drafted unless he gets reaggravates the injury and, and um, NBA scouts get concerned. Nick Ireland asks, with the win over UConn, does this propel Xavier into winning Biggie's conversation combo? Biggie's conference conversation. Thank you. Or is it still UConn's to lose and this is just a fluke on the schedule? One, Xavier's not a fluke. That was a great win. Um, I'm not going to say anything negative about that. Um, if you're talking about the Biggie's regular season... I would say that UConn's still the front runner because it's going to be a bigger sample size. But Xavier will absolutely be on the short list of teams that can win a Big East tournament game. Um, but I, I absolutely do not think that was a fluke or fluky at all. Yeah, I agree. I think um, Xavier certainly has a shot to win the Big East uh, and regular season title, but UConn's the betting favorite. At but this Xavier point. now has a game advantage on UConn. So I guess kind of they control their own destiny in some ways. Uh, buy or sell, this is Ed Cooley's last Providence College team he coaches. Sell, and because I truly believe this is Ed Cooley's dream job. Yeah. Um, Easy sell for me. I don't think he would go anywhere under any circumstances. I think he loves Providence. He has the keys to the city. Um, and I think the people there kind of worship him. And they should. He's a fantastic coach. I just wonder if, like, I think with Hurley, same thing you're talking about. Like, um, the only thing I could see them going for is if an NBA coach is available or you know wants them um but i don't know if uconn providence are leaping off points to the nba just because you're not coaching that same level of talent that you see like from sec teams or big 12 teams nba talent um and you can't get on them the same way too and our last question for mailbag what happens first georgetown wins a big east game or ewing gets fired ewing's gonna step down eventually but yeah I'd say Big e- they win a Big East game because you probably got another year of Patrick Ewing at least, and they, so they're going to stumble into a win. I don't think they go Owen Tony this year. Okay, perfect. So our next big, our next, <laughs> and so you had a topic you wanted to talk about. A question. One last question because I hate fired up. How much I love fired up. Um, if PC beats UConn, are they the best team in the Big East? No, no, they're not even top. And I do like the, one more. I wanted to give this guy a shout out. I want to give the guy a shout out. The Seton All fan. Um, because he interacts with us a lot. Seton Hall, um, can they beat Creighton, Xavier, or Nova? Yes, they can beat Villanova. And if Creighton looks as bad as they did F- when Cockbrenner was 32. sick, then yes, they could beat him as well. Yes, I think Seton Hall is established themselves above St. John's and Butler, but below um, Villanova and Creighton. That's where I have them right now. Nestled just on their own tier, pretty much. Nestling? Nestling. So, I wanted to talk to you quickly about this. Um, and part of it was, I didn't want to come across as a biased UConn fan, but a lot of people have been talking about, you know, the refs after that UConn game, some free throw disparity, especially in the Marquette Providence game, um, two in the UConn Xavier game. And then Hurley gets a technical, um, in that UConn game down the stretch. And I was like, well, refereeing always gets attention and blah, blah, blah. But is it a problem? And then we were watching the Providence Butler game where I saw part of it. And they ejected the wrong guy on purpose. They ejected Ed Croswell and had to bring him back to end the game. 
Do you think the Big East has a referee problem? Yes. I think all of college basketball has a referee problem because college basketball refereeing is a part-time job. So you're just not getting really talented referees in but there. The NFL is a part-time job. But, I mean, the NFL has a part-time refs. Or and they job. did until they had a union. Look I don't at, know if they do now. Look at the payment disparity between the NFL refs and Big East refs. I bet, and um, I, bet I could find it pretty quickly. Well, I'll, so Keep yes, I, I do think it's an issue. I think that it often can take away from the joy of the game. Um, did Danny Hurley deserve to get teched up in that Xavier game? Yeah, probably. Well, we have, I mean, well, we have no idea because he he's saying that he said unbelievable and the refs aren't made of... Okay, but Danny Hurley could have got teed up in that Villanova game and he certainly absolutely you know, would have been within bounds. So I'm not sure UConn fans have a leg to stand on, but in general, is refereeing an issue? Yeah. I, I think that one of the bigger issues is that you're just not getting, um, I mean, this is fifty to $62,000, um, but so I don't have any idea if that's true or not. But um, I think that one of the problems you're seeing too is you're just not getting that, the best of the best don't want to be refs anymore, right? Because um, of kind of the way the culture is and younger referees um, or younger leagues, like let's just say, for example, a Little League game, you go and you're a referee and that's where you want to get your start. Well, you're having people leave because of the way that parents are treating you and the way that people are emboldened to talk to you. Um, and they're not rising to that level. I don't know. I would like to see these refs held accountable in certain ways. Wouldn't it, I think it would be interesting if you know Hurley comes in and says all he said was unbelievable. And then the ref can have a press conference and he can say you – know, or he has to explain why he you know, felt a certain way or to do something. Stand up there and say you made a mistake at least. But what I've seen from a lot of these refs is saying, we don't make mistakes. We don't make mistakes. We don't make mistakes out there. And that's frustrating when you keep telling someone that this is wrong and they keep saying, we're not making a mistake. Yeah, I mean, they 100% make mistakes. I just don't think Danny Hurley is the guy to fight that fight. Sure. And I was agreeing with you until they injected Ed Croswell. And until, you know, you're seeing these free throw disparities. And, you know, there are definitely times where the free throw disparities make sense. But there are also definitely times where you're looking at it and like, 36 free throws to four? Like, what are we doing yeah, here? Yeah, Burkett had a gripe in that Providence game. Four free? I mean, I don't know. I just want them to be held accountable um, in a way that me and you are held accountable if we're bad at our job where we don't get to do it. <laughs> like, you don't get to keep doing it and being bad at it. Yeah, you just you try not to let it take away from your joy of watching the no. game. But it's not perfect, and it does affect the game in some capacity. Do I think every team is able to overcome the effect of the ref? Yes, I do. I think that the ref, you know, is going to sway it a few points. But if your team's really good, they should be able to make that up. Um, but it's not fair, and it's not good. Yeah. I, I, one of the things I'd like to see is that third ref who's off to the side um, to split up the review process. Like, he is the definitive voice there. So he looks at the review while you're still – deciding on the floor if you're going to challenge it and then he already has a ruling for you whether it is overruled or not um i'm not sure why they don't do that and they let the refs on the floor look at their own mistakes and decide whether they think they still made a mistake even if they see it on the camera i think there's definitely some flaws and um you know this is kind of propelled by goodman just came out not sure if everyone saw um and said that uh refs are saying that they can't deal with hurley anymore all right, everybody, that is week eight of the Big East Barroom. Um, we appreciate everyone pulling up a stool and listening with us. And we are going to be celebrating one year next week, we just found out. So um, thank you for everyone who's been around for the live for our first year.
Appreciate you guys. Appreciate interacting with you all. Please keep doing it. Comment if we got something wrong. Like it. Share it with your friends. Do whatever. But quote tweet it. Quote tweet us. All right. Bye, guys.